Father, we ask you to bless this message this morning. We speak that this word goes into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to John 1, 9 through 11. John 1, 9 through 11. All right, would you do that? John 1, 9 through 11. Now, I, I started out Christmas, like most of you, as you know, in religious circles. And my mom and dad were pastors for about 35 years. And, uh, and so there were different various things that we did. And, of course, being in other ministries as well, picking up different things. You start off maybe that you understand the paganistic idealisms and some of the things that this comes from. If, and, and you might have uh, feelings about Christmas based on the idea that it, you know, that it has those things from it. And I may have in the past more than I did today. I remember when I first started the church, I always would fight with Christmas because I felt like we had to fight our way through it. I was pushing people to come to church, which is great. We want them to come. And I would push through Christmas, just push through. Since over the years, I've been more inclined to find myself in really enjoying Christmas, really enjoying the process of Christmas. Because the reality is, is that there's no other season in, 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 that we have in life where the world celebrates what we believe. But Christmas. You know, when we think about Christmas, I mean, you're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth. And, and, and in, the, in the White House and out in our, in our uh, uh, schools and wherever you may go, go to the mall and people are singing and the music is playing and it's Christmas music. And, and it has Jesus' name in it and a celebration of what we believe is, is, is a tremendous thing. And I've become more, more inclined to really enjoy it, really enjoy Christmas and really enjoy doing Christmas because it's a season when we celebrate the one that came and was born for our sins and to die for our sins. You know, it had to be a man. Jesus had to be a man because God had given dominion over the earth to man. He'd given them the authority here. And, and everything that had to come to earth had to come through man. It had to come some way through man. And so it, for Jesus to be effective and to be the sacrifice that we had to have, he had to come as a man. Now, thank God he, God did it through natural means that you would expect, but he did it with spiritual authority and spiritual ability. And so man was still born, and Jesus died and was, and was able to pay the price for us because of that. And we ought to thank God that we can celebrate that every year. And so we sing songs, and, and I enjoyed the second song we sang this morning because it's a celebration of what we're doing. And I'm not trying to be too spiritual this morning. I try, you know, to fall into the season if I can. And if God moves, we certainly want to move with God. You all know me well enough to know. But it's also a season when we can just celebrate important things that are part of the Christian faith and what we are as Christians. Somebody ought to say amen. What I found from this is John 1, 9 through 11 says this, the true light, Jesus, that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came that which was, that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. But the first thing we need to realize is that Jesus is the light. And when we talk about light, we're not talking about sunlight and light from the ceiling or a light that we put out. This is more than that. You know, when, when the Bible says there was light in the beginning, there wasn't a sun, moon, and stars. There was light. That light was the light of revelation. It was the light of God's word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him. We know this. And so Jesus is the light. Thank God the light came to the world. You and I have received the light of revelation. Without Jesus, we couldn't know about the word. We couldn't understand fully the word. 
We couldn't know exactly what the word was trying to say to us. But it is that light of revelation. He's that light. You and I have the ability to receive that light, the light of the world. Somebody ought to say amen. Just say amen. You know, so oftentimes what I found is important when I look at Christmas is oftentimes, you know, as believers, we've received Jesus and so we have illumination, but we're to share that illumination to the world. Because when you think about this, oftentimes the things that are important to us, speaking of of our belief system, the way we live, what we have in our life, we put those at secondary positions in our life. We, we, don't, we don't let the things that really matter become important to us. We allow things that don't matter to become more important to us. And so instead of following through on what is Christmas to us, which, you know, for a believer, Christmas is every day. You know, I'm, I celebrate Jesus every day. So it's hard, you know, for some to say, well, I celebrate Jesus all the time. But this is a time when we can share Jesus greatly with the world. How many think we're supposed to share Jesus with the world? Why wouldn't we take advantage of this moment to share Jesus at the greatest level we possibly could with the world? You know, some people don't even go to church but one time a year, and that's at Christmas. Say amen. And so why wouldn't we celebrate him? Why wouldn't we have uh, something they could see Jesus in and enjoy Jesus and, 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 and understand Jesus in us? And what he is to us, the light of God lives inside of us. We need to be illuminated to his word. And his word comes first. I want you to know something. Jesus' word, the word, comes first. Say, the word comes first. I found out as a pastor, this is an amazing thing. A lot of times we don't let the word affect our beliefs. We have beliefs and we don't let the word mess those up. Come on. We ought to allow the word to become our beliefs. We're not trying to have beliefs and then find a word to fit our beliefs. We're to take the word of God, find out what the word says about situations, find out what the word says we're supposed to act like, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to believe, how we're supposed to influence the world. Because after all, we are influencers of the word. The light is in us. Somebody say amen. I'm to influence the world. I've got to allow the word to influence my life. I've got to go back to the Word, not ignore the Word, but receive the Word. The light of God came. Somebody say, that light, Jesus. Jesus came. He's the light of the world. We need to allow the Word of God to become the priorities of our life. Read the Word, make decisions. Read the Word, make choices. Read the Word, decide how you, how you see things. Don't decide how you see things and ignore the Word. Many of us just do that. Listen, if you're not careful, listen, in the days ahead, I want you to know, church, listen to me. We need the revival power and the work of Jesus in our life. If the church ever needed to be strong, it's right now. The church should be stronger than it has ever been. Talking to everybody watching me online today, if you're watching in Sumter, or you're watching over in in Georgetown, or you're watching in Columbia, I want you in Florence. The church has to become stronger than it has ever been. We have to have more of the word than we've ever had. That light has to become illuminated in our life, full of the light. See, because in the days ahead, I want you to know we're going to face things. There are things coming, and we have to stand. We'll do all we can to stand, but I mean, you don't, you, you know, the Bible says the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to have life. That light came that I could have life, but the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. I mean, in the near future, we're going to have a situation where they're going to want to put men inside of the ladies' bathrooms in our high schools and in our, in our you know, calling them transgender. 
Well, I've got news for you. I've got word on that situation. And the church has to be stronger than it's ever been. You, you know, don't laugh at me. I had thousands of people watching me online. I know when I say stuff like this, I already know it. So I don't worry about the likes anymore. I'm not big on whether or not they're putting flashes up there and whether or not anymore they care. Because I had thousands of people watching me. I preached one time on homosexuality and they took me down to 100 the next day. I don't care if you like me anymore, and there may be only a few of you watching, but the Bible told me I'm to preach truth and preach it right. I'm not falling on whether or not you like me or don't like me or whether or not my ratings are high enough. Somebody's going to hear what I've got to say, and I'm not going to answer to the Internet. I'm not answering to Google. I'm not answering to Facebook. I'm not answering to Twitter. I'm going to answer to God, and it is my responsibility to preach truth. We better be strong. I got a 10-year-old right now in, in elementary school. When she gets to high school, I ain't about to have my daughter going into the school and them telling me that some guy is going to be in the same bathroom that she's in. Y'all say what you want to, but you got to let the Word be first and your beliefs come in line with the Word. Stand against some things. As Christians, Christmas is not only about the celebration for us as believers. See, to the world, it's a moment to bring them in. But to the church, it should be a moment of reflection. We, we, you know, today, I'm just telling you, listen, I see pastors falling. One of the largest pastors in the nation in New York fell, having an affair, fell, messed up. I'm not claiming anything about him, thank God. I believe he's going to be restored. Jesus is going to heal his marriage. That's where we stand. But when you worry about whether or not you're in the popularity contest, and whether everybody's coming to your door, or whether star, stars and superstars are at your table, and you're more concerned about your popularity than you are about your relationship with Jesus, you're going to mess up. You've got to worry about whether or not Jesus is in your heart. He's the light of the world. Somebody ought to say amen. We're to allow that light of revelation to illuminate us and bring us into truth and into life. He is the light. I am the light. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the you don't know life if you don't know Jesus. And for the believer, when we come to church, we have to come to a place where we say, God, let me re reveal to me what I need to change. Reveal to me what I need to adjust. Reveal to me what I need to fix. Reveal to me. And we need to be willing to make the adjustment when we're not in line with the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Just shout this out. Word of God first. See, I already know. I already said that online. For those of you watching me today, I'm glad you're there. You might not see me next week. You need to come back to church now. I done said it. Come back to church. If you want to hear truth, come back to church. Come back to the house of God. I might have to put up a new website just to get online. I don't know why I'm on this, but I'm going to stick with it for just a minute. I don't feel like letting up. I don't feel like quitting yet, you see? Because the devil would like to tell all of us preachers to worry about whether or not we got likes on the seed. Whether or not they got a bunch of people watching us. How many people like us? Oh, there's thousands liking us. Well, if you don't say nothing, thousands are going to like you. 
But when you preach truth and you preach right and you talk about what's right and you lay out the truth and you say the Word of God is first, not your beliefs, not your history, but the Word of God. It don't matter where you came from. God's Word was first. It don't matter your background. God's Word was first. It don't matter whether your parents were rich or poor. God's Word was first. His Word has always been and always will be eternal. It it was It is, and it is going to be. When this world is over, when this world is done, that light will still be the truth. It will still exist. It will still remain. You may as well line up with the Word because everything else is going to pass away. He said it. Somebody's watching me today. I know it. And this might, I don't know what to tell you. All I know to tell you is every time I preach truth, they shut me down. I don't run on whether they shut me down or not. And if you're watching me today and you're a pastor and you're worried about whether everybody's watching you online or everybody sees your podcast, the only one you need to worry about that sees you is Jesus. He's the light of the world. He lives inside of you. You better worry about whether you stand in heaven right, not whether you're loved on earth. I didn't do this for the money. I'm not doing it for fame. I'm not doing I did this because God put an anointing on me. His anointing came on me and made me a pastor. And when he made me a pastor, he called me to stand. And I will one day answer for what I preached. I'll answer for the truth that I told. I'm not going to answer because somebody liked me or didn't like me. All I want to do is make sure God likes what I said. I don't know why, but I feel somebody needs to hear what I've got to say. It might be one person out there, but if we influence one, you know, there was only one Billy Graham, and he touched an entire world. One. One Billy Graham. If we can touch one person with truth, because we told the truth, and somebody got right with God, that influences the whole world, then we did our job. There was a Sunday school teacher. There was a preacher. There was somebody that preached to Billy Graham, and Billy Graham became a world winner, a world changer, because one person told him the truth. How shall they know unless they hear a preacher. Preacher, listen to me. Preach the truth. The light of the world. Jesus is the light. Thank God we've got illumination. Illuminating light. Somebody ought to say amen. We need to matter about what things matter. The first part of this says that he, he was the light. We know that from beginning to end, he, everything exists because of who he is. He's the one that gives us direction in life. He's the only one that can illuminate for us what's in front of us and give our life's pursuit. He's the one that shines light of wisdom on all of us. He's the one that gives us the attitudes that are right, that we can conduct ourselves in a way that leads to favor and blessings. The world searches for purpose in life and the manner in which they should live and conduct their lives. But they avoid the one who answers that question and desires to reveal it to them. Church, we are the light in the earth, but the Bible says he's the light. They need the light. How could that be? How could he have been here and they didn't see him? And then it goes on to say that he was in the world and though, and though the world was made through him, reveals that he's the author of every good thing. The Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. Real life 
is in God. Real life, the real journey of life is in a God who came to the earth in the name Jesus. And he makes all the difference. He's life to us. He's the author of every good thing. He alone knows good and evil. From beginning to end, he is the one who tried to help Adam and Eve understand all of this and that they could make right choices. Today, he's still here in this moment. He's the light, the path that shows us right decisions that we are to make. And the world looks everywhere to find this, but it's in Jesus. We need to show them that Jesus. Then it goes on to say this, the world didn't recognize him. You know, that's not only talking about the world out there. It's talking about the world in here. It's our local world, and it's the world in general. When you think about yourself, we're to look at him and understand the world didn't recognize him. The world did not recognize him. And that brings it down to the understanding that we need to recognize him, that he's the author, the creator, the mighty God, the heavenly father, prince of peace, that we need to recognize him in our lives. Then it goes on to say this, he came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. You see, I want to ask you a question today when you think about yourselves and you think about what I said, that he lives in us and recognizing who he is and understanding that position and privilege to have him living in our life as Christians. And I'm not talking about the world. We need to get the world saved. And I'm not condemning the world because I preach truth. You know, when we preach truth to someone and we tell them the truth, you know, with my kids, when they were little, I'd make sure they didn't run out in the street and get killed. You know, they run out of the door and you wouldn't be watching as a parent. And all of a sudden they run out the door and you'd run out there. And just before they got to the street, you're screaming and hollering, stop, stop. A car could run you over, could kill you. You know, you break out the belt and tear them up. Come on. You didn't do that because you don't love them. You didn't take off your belt or scream at them as they were running. As you saw them running toward the street and that death was imminent if a truck ran them over, you knew that there was danger there. Believers, there's danger for the world. For those of you that don't know Jesus, don't know what I'm talking about. We're not talking like this because we don't like you. We're talking like this because we totally love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Christians come to tell you truth. Not because they want to dismantle your friendships and tear you apart. But we want to tell you that there's a better way. There's more. There's access to God. There's relationship. It's a better life on this side of the street. So Christians, let me ask you the question. It says here, it says, he was among his own. And yet they didn't receive him. Have you let him influence your schedule? You know, for the tither, you know, and, I, and I, again, I'm not a legalistic believer on tither. I believe it's, you know, believers have faith. We do it because we love the Lord. We do it out of obedience. We do it for many different reasons. We know that God will rebuke the devourer and say all those things. But tithing didn't just apply to money. Tithe is the principle of our life. That means for every 24 hours, two and a half of them belong to God. Shocking, isn't it? How many of us took two and a half hours of every day last week? You'll do it today because you're in church for 30 minutes. Or an hour. So now you only got an hour and a half left today. But on the average day, you have two and a half hours. And I'm not illegal. I'm not telling you if you don't do this, you're going to hell. I'm telling you, you should do it because you got Jesus. 
you have the light living in you. If that light lives in you, he said they knew him, but they didn't know him. Do you know him? That's a question that we have to re- reflect on ourselves during this time as Christians. Is am I doing and operating in the place God wants me to live in? Am I operating the way God wants me to operate? Am I living up to that level? And I want to say to you, maybe you can't do two and a half every day. I get that. You're busy. You got work. You got kids. You got things. But you can put him in your car. You can put him at your kitchen table. You can put him at your job when you're working. You can put him down the road. You can go for a little walk. You can go into a closet. You can sit on your couch, turn the TV off for at least five minutes and pray come on somebody I'm preaching real good so the world they didn't know him but what about you do you know him is he among you and you know him will we receive into into our fellowships and our thinking so that he can show us what's good and what we should avoid Will we receive into our, him into our decision-making process and let him lead and help us make decisions that are right or for us? Will we prioritize our times of intimacy where we purposely worship him and put him where he belongs in our lives? The last one says this, and his own did not receive him. The question is, are we any different? As believers, it's a reflection time. Yes, let's celebrate. But as we celebrate Jesus, as we celebrate Christmas, as we enjoy the moments, as we, as we enjoy these things, let us reflect on ourselves and really ask ourselves, are we doing, have we, have we let Jesus come the light of the world and just treated him like he was a bypass? Like he's just some, you know, fix that we need every once in a while. Or is he our everyday life? When this world is over, there will be an eternity. One, one will end shortly, and the other will last eternally. Which one? Which one have I placed my priorities in? Which one have I decided was more important? Was it the 70 or 80 years that I live here? Is that what's more important? Is it the joy that I have here that's more important? Is it the fun that I have here that's more important? Is, it, is, it that, is that really the case? Is it really that I should live in a way that's all about earth and all about my joy and all about my fun and happiness here? Or have I come to realize that I have the light living inside of me and I have to live like I know Him? And that eternity is far more crucial and far more important than the few hours of life that I have living on this earth. These hours are nothing. They're like a blade of grass, the Bible says, that's here today, gone tomorrow. To the unbeliever, this is your moment. You've got to accept Jesus. Don't miss your moment. The light has come. He dwelled on this earth. He brought us eternity. He brought us gifts. He brought us peace. He brought us those things. To the church, the gift has come. The light is here. You have the light living inside of you. The joy of God. The peace of God. All that you need. Will we be guilty of the same thing? Or will we receive today? And the days ahead and tomorrow, what we know lives on the inside of us. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 said this. He's the light of men. It says, you're the light of the world. You. Because his, his light lives in you. Like a city on a mountain, glowing in the night for all to see. Glowing in the night for all to see. Are you so obscure that no one would know? If a trial was held today and they put you on the stand, would there be witnesses that could verify your belief system? 
Would there be people there? Would you have enough testimony of your faithhood and your Christianity that people would, could, that there would be enough evidence? That's good, isn't it? You know, I, I'm always out places and, you know, I'm always a light. I'm always a light. I'm always a light. I make up my mind to be a light. And people know I'm a preacher and then, you know, like we'll go off with these football guys, they always like to cuss. I mean, they live to cuss. I don't know if you all realize that coaches just like to cuss. There's something about coaching and cussing. And then the preacher shows up and they all get all shy about it and none of them cuss around me. But every once in a while, they go, some bad word, oh, I'm sorry, excuse my, and I'll go, don't worry about it. I'm going to preach in a minute and then you can, I can tell you, you cuss around me in a few minutes you're going to hear about Jesus around me. I don't have to beat you down. I don't have to tear you down. I'm the light. I guarantee you, when I start talking about Jesus, I'm going to cut your cussing out. I don't have to tell you you don't need to cuss. I just got to start talking about, you know, the other day Jesus healed me. Jesus took care of me. You know, when we drove over here, God kept me safe and watched over my car. You know the reason my son is out here? Because Jesus touched him. I'm the light. Some of y'all so scared to talk. Are you, or do you have the light? Would they know? It isn't because I'm a preacher people know. Most of the time I try to act like I'm a normal human and don't act like I'm a preacher at all. When I go out, you're going to see mustard on my shirt and clothes that don't look right. And I don't always try and comb my hair. If you see me, you might be embarrassed. It's true. I, ain't, I, I don't have a fake life. I don't play church here and then don't play church out there. This is the real deal. What you see is what you get. I'm fat here. I'm fat out there. <laughs> I am the light not because I'm a pastor but because I'm a Christian. Because I got Jesus living on the inside of me. I am a believer. And that believerness stands out above everything else. Ask yourself over this Christmas, will you be an influence? Will you be the light? Will you look like Jesus lives in you? Will people that are out there today that need Jesus, will they say, I need what they have. I need what he has in his life. Because every day that's how it should reflect. Don't, you're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But the Bible says you're like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under the basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let that light shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everybody will praise your heavenly Father. Ten things that are found in Christmas. Ten things. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Number one, salvation is found in Jesus. We celebrate salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Secondly, we find peace that passes all understanding in Jesus. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through, the, through Jesus Christ. We find provision, number three, in Jesus. God promised us that he would provide for us. Philippians 4, 19 says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all my needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. We also, number four, find that we have a direct line to God. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. And it applies to material and spiritual, natural things. What else do we find in Jesus? The fifth thing we find is joy. 
John 15 11 says, I've told you these things that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Number six, we find heaven on earth. Luke 17, 21 says, neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Number seven, we find family and friends. God places us together in the lives of other people and uses the church to bind us together. He said, fitly join together. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 said, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of the body, the church, and makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Number eight, we find grace. Romans eleven six says, since it is through Jesus Christ or God's kindness, then it is not by their works. For if that were the case, God's grace would have been would, 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 uh, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. Nine, we find healing. You know, healing, it's overstated, but 1 Peter 2.24, and let me tell you something, for those of us that are dealing with COVID, all these things, we should live as though we're healed. We walk as healed people. It says, he personally carried our sins on his own body on the cross so that we being dead to sin and could live uh, for what is right, but his wounds, you are healed, but by his wounds, you're healed. And the last thing is we find abundant life. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have that more abundantly. He's the light. And we should walk in all ten of these great, wonderful blessings of Christmas this year. I want to encourage you to do just that. Amen. Lift your hands one more time, would you? And let's give him some praise. If you're new to Family Worship Center watching online, you should pass by this. If you're in Sumter this morning, we love you guys. Excited about what's coming over there. Georgetown, Columbia, Florence. You may never have accepted Jesus Christ. The Bible says you must be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. How are you born again? Because you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe it and you confess it. Today we confess his lordship for him to be Lord. It's not that I asked him to forgive me of my sins. It's that I confessed him as Lord, that I spoke him over my life, that I accepted him and received him in my heart. He said he stands at the door and knocks. If any man opens the door, he'll come in. Today, I want to invite you to open the door. Say this prayer with me. Invite Jesus into your heart. Will you do that? Say this, dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. I thank you that Jesus came to this earth, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived life here. He died on a cross for me. He was raised after three days. And he's seated by God the Father. I believe that. And I believe that Jesus will wash away my sins as far as the east is from the west. Today, Jesus, I call you Lord. I receive you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Today, I believe you'll give me the power to become the sons and daughters of God. I thank you for it now, in Jesus' name.